that's weird. I think they might have something to do with the driver. I'm not sure. I have better one. I, I'm not tech support, but I think that that's an issue with the hardware of the computer then. Um, but anyway. It's all, all right. of them. It's, the, it, it's everything. It's whether it's on the Mac, it's whether it's on this. Whenever I use these headphones yeah. and this microphone, hmm. I can't control what I, the volume in my ears. Uh, I honestly have no idea. Um, anyway. But AC, whenever you're ready, uh, it's okay. the introduction. All right. Thank you for that, Jake. <laughs> All right. That complete lack of concern with my ears. <laughs> Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III, and it's a pleasure to be back. I've been, I've been gone for a little bit. But glad to be back as the MCU is debuting a new series, the first of 2022, created by Jeremy Slater, Moon Knight, starring Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke and many more interesting characters. And we'll get into that, but let's introduce the panel first. We have the super producer, Jake Christie, in the house. Jake, how are you, sir? I'm um, evidently not that super, but I, uh, I'm feeling pretty well. Uh, and uh, I'm really excited to talk about the show. Excellent, excellent. And while Jerome Chang is on assignment this week, we do have our heavy hitter, our pal from Metal Arc Media, the great Howard Bryant's in the house. Howard, how are you, sir? No, oh, I am terrific. Um, good to be here again. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And, and, and on strange circumstances, I got to say, but I'm interested in this conversation. Simply because it's Moon Knight, right? Right, right. And 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 we'll start with that. So we were all fortunate, uh, the three of us and Jerome, were fortunate enough to watch the first four episodes of this series. We'll talk about episode one, but we'll get into some generalities about the series. But I guess, Howard, I'll start with you here. How did you how did you receive this? This feels something completely different than what the MCU has done to this point. Well, the first thing in terms of the delivery of it, I didn't realize I already had access to all these streamers anyway. Oh. Yeah, I appreciate the legwork that you did, but I already work for Disney. I didn't even realize it. When I logged into it, it was like, please log in, use your Disney ID. I'm like, I already can access these previews already? Who knew? I've only been here 15 years. I've only been working here 15 years. I had no idea. That's such who's a neat thing. Who's asking me for my work ID? I'm like, oh, that's right. It's all the same company. <laughs> um, I, you know, I wonder, I, I, I wasn't quite certain whether or not what we were getting from Moon Knight was going to be a different flavor of, of show than we've had in the past. I sort of felt like, um, the types of storytelling that we're getting, uh, was going to be very similar or way, way different. Like you and I talked about this offline as to the different Marvels. Yeah. Um, whether or not you've got, you know, street level Marvel, you know, the Ditko Marvel, the Avengers Marvel, then you've got the, you know, the the, the Frank Miller Marvel. So it all depends on what type of show you're going to get. And this one was a little bit of a combination of Kirby Marvel and Ditko Marvel, which is, I guess, what Moon Knight was in the comic book as well. So you sort of, right. he was in some levels, he was in a street level, you know, teaming up with Spider-Man. And on the other hand, he's out there in the in the cosmos. This had a lot of celestial feel to it as well, to me, the, the, the four, um, simply in that the storytelling 
was going to be very um my son was watching a couple of the episodes with me and he was like man this is kind of spooky and <laughs> he thought that the storytelling and i kind of agreed with it the storytelling is very much a um a, a, a combination of the celestials where are we doing spoiler alerts by the way uh, you episode actually, one weekend only episode one episode one weekend legally you can spoil the rest of it <laughs> i think that actually we actually because i don't know wh- i don't know when this is actually airing that's all so we're, oh, no, this we're, is airing on wednesday morning so you can spoil episode one you just can't spoil episodes two three and four two, three, yes four. okay so good okay so episode episode one the the first thing that i sort of that it struck me was uh similar to the the traditional origin story where man isn't quite sure what's happening to man, right? Mm-hmm. Am I am I part of universe? Am I not part of universe? Or am I um, am I imagining the whole thing? Or no one's going to believe what's going on with me? And so I thought there was something very interesting with that. I thought that Oscar Isaac as an as an actor was is was compelling in terms of the the the, the type of story that he's being thrust into. And whether or not it takes a certain actor to to kind of pull that off, to be able to handle uh, the I'm just a guy who's in, involved in something way, way, way bigger than me, and and I and I and I like that. Um, I I was waiting to see how they were going to 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 pull this off because Moon Knight one is not an easy story, and and secondarily. As my son had said too, the choices that Marvel is making in terms of which which characters they're giving shows to is getting more and more complicated. These mm-hmm. are not your household these are not your household name stories. So mm-hmm. it takes a lot of heavy lifting and they're moving into a place where the name recognition is is not automatic. So just yeah. because it's Captain America, you're gonna watch it, or Iron Man, you're gonna watch it. This isn't that. So they have to do a lot of heavy lifting to make sure that you are engaged because you're not going to simply be engaged. I mean, even if you're the greatest comic fan of all, I mean, Moon Knight can't be in your top 10 of any list. So probably um, not. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I also think it's notable that this feels like the first time I might be wrong, but like the first time in a while that they've, I think so much of what they've done uh, with their characters is found like not a listers to play them. Um, because like you don't need an A-lister to play Captain America or Thor because those characters are like well known. Where they think it was a very conscious decision to get Oscar Isaac, who That's is right. as close to an A-lister in a world where we really don't make movie stars anymore. Um, like he's a guy that people know, and I think that there is a certain authentic- there's an authenticity that he brings. Like, and I think that what he signaled because I was at an Oscar party last night and I was talking to some people about it. He I think just signals like this is not going to be bad. Because like you, people kind of believe like Oscar Isaac wouldn't do it if it was bad, and same thing with Ethan Hawke. And I think that that was a smart decision on their part. To um, it, it, it gives an f- immediate feeling, and it gives the audience an idea that they're taking this seriously, and that it's actually like there's interesting stuff at play. Um, and so I think both for his acting talent and just for what he represents in terms of you know Hollywood. Uh, he was, I think, a perfect choice. Um, but yeah, I, I, I also think he's really great in the show. I am so happy that he's in it. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think, and I think, with if you want to just get into general thoughts for me, 
watching this show, I think the thing that stood out to me was just the way that they chose to do something. Because we've seen multiple personalities in TV and film before, but I just like the way that they they took the viewer along the ride with Steven as he has no idea what's going on. He's waking up somewhere outside, doesn't understand what's happening with no uh, vision for the audience as to what happened prior to that, to that change. So I think that was a, a really good choice by the, the writers and, and the directors there. Cause I think it just it makes the whole situation seem that much more scary to a person who who what you call it chains himself to his bed and has, and is trying to stay awake and all this other stuff. So the character work by Oscar Isaac was or I would say pretty pretty damn good. I I really just enjoyed his performance and the way that he sunk into both of those roles in terms of Stephen and Mark or Mark Spector. So I'm I'm fascinated to see like where it all goes and how they develop this. But I do feel like, and I was telling Jake this, I was like, I hope that beyond this this season, that they continue their story and at least for the time being, keep him where it's at. Because it does feel like there's some legwork that could be done with this character that doesn't need a team up immediately. Because I know that's that tends to be the rush. I know Shang-Chi kind of had that where at the end we're like, okay, you're a part of the group now. You're hanging out with with Wong and Captain Marvel and the Hulk. But um, I kind of like this character to stay where he's at. That's where I, that's where I kind of stand on it so far. Yes, and no spoiler alert because Mark Spector is not in the first episode. He actually is. Yeah, he's he is in he's, the, at the end with the, the mirrors. End. Well, yes, yeah, but you which, don't know, but yeah. you don't know what his name is for sure. Yes. Yeah, I also think that this is a super interesting thing. I, I guarantee you this was a conversation that was had in the writer's room to have it where it is just Steven the entire time in the first episode because you know if you're making the show that at least 50% of people who are watching it, when they pull, pull up the first episode, they're going to Wikipedia Moon Knight and they're going to see Moon Knight is Mark Spector and then they're going to see that the show is about a guy named Stephen Grant and they're like, what is that? What's going on here? And then I think immediately unmoors the audience because although you might know there's something with multiple personalities, like I think it is just a really good decision. In the same way that I thought it was a really great decision to have the first episode of WandaVision exclusively take place inside of a show. That really the first mm-hmm. episode of this show only takes place with one personality. So you feel as you feel the exact plight that he's feeling. And then later on, they can zoom out and you can see what's going on. But this first episode is not really about any of the moving pieces at play. It's not about the larger plot. It is about this man who is having a crisis because of something he doesn't understand. And I thought that that was super well done. And I I really think that there's just the stuff with him waking up and not understanding, I, I think is just, it's something, there are like laughs involved in it, but like they're all kind of in like a, like tragic way where this guy just truly just a little nervous laughter is completely yeah. oh, oh at sea in his life like he has no control yeah. over anything and he doesn't even begin to know where to where well, to he's reach having, out and he's having conversations conversations have already taken place that when the time that we're dropped into his story mm-hmm. it's already done He's already mm-hmm. in, he's already engaged in this. He's already invited somebody out to dinner to a steakhouse, and he mm-hmm. doesn't even eat meat. Mm-hmm. Right? He's mm-hmm. already engaged with people in the world, and so you're going okay. And on top of that, 
What I also find interesting in terms of the character choice is he's in this bizarre world where clearly he's been dumped into it. Clearly he's been communicating with people, but he's not a very communicable person. They think he's mm -hmm. a nerd. People think he's a he's aloof. They think he's weird. His bosses are, you know, his boss is very cruel to him. Shout so out to Donna. <laughs> exactly. They all think he's a weirdo anyway. They're not very nice to him in the first place. So you're not quite sure if he's just one of these sort of eccentrics or if there's something out there with him that is beyond his control that requires compassion. And it's it is interesting to see how they're going to play that. And I think that one of the, the the pieces of this, from an actor standpoint, when you're talking about okay, the need to have an A list director, an A list director, an A list actor to understand a a more obscure character, this is also the appeal, in some ways, of how the MCU, whether it's television or whether it's the films now, how they're able to land some of these actors that you actually, if you're you know, if you're Oscar Isaac, this is not a cookie cutter role. You actually do get to do some acting. You get to do, uh, you know, have a, a little bit of range. You get to do something here that might be a, a challenge instead of simply tying your name to the very lucrative, extremely successful MCU franchise. There's actually mm -hmm. some room for you to do something here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I actually have a great anecdote that I shared earlier on a previous pod that the entire reason Ethan Hawke got involved in it is apparently Oscar Isaac, when he was prepping for Moon Knight, like when he first got it, he ran into Ethan Hawke in a coffee shop and basically was talking to him about it. And he showed him one of the scripts and Ethan Hawke was like, oh, I'd love to, like, you know, this seems interesting. And that he kind of recruited him to do it. Um, and like that is something that, you know, I think just speaks about the writing to, of the show that it's not because Ethan Hawke doesn't need to tie his name to the villain of a Marvel TV show for any, you know, he, he's, I think, past the point in his career. And so the fact that the material itself was interesting enough for him to want to get involved, I think just speaks volumes about, especially that character um, that uh, I, I, I was excited the entire time that I knew this was coming up just because like I kind of, I'd heard that anecdote on a talk show like a year ago and I've been, AC knows, I've been really yeah, bookmarking <laughs> this for a while since I heard that. Yeah, and and I think yeah, we can definitely dive into that because that's how the series starts. The series starts with with Arthur Harrow and the jarring scene of putting the glass, the broken glass, in his slippers and and putting those on. That was I was like, whoa, okay, we're doing something a little different here. <laughs> not your not your cookie cutter. MCU show. It was good. It was completely different. Howard, how did you receive Arthur and kind of the mannerisms and the way that whole uh, scales thing was working? Like overall, how did you receive that? Well, the first thing I saw was that is that Ethan Hawke? I hadn't seen him in a while. <laughs> I hadn't seen him in a bit, and I thought that um, he absolutely had the right cadence for someone to fear. He, he carried villain very well. Like, you could tell that he was the guy that you were going to have to deal with. You could tell that he was very measured in his performance in terms of, well, he's not overdoing it. He's not a hothead, which makes him even more chilling in a way, mm -hmm. that there's something destined about him. And, and especially in that first scene where he's... You know where he where he makes his not the not the first appearance where he's got the glass in his, his slippers, but the first dream sequence, uh, mm -hmm. where 
you're watching him and he's captivating. I mean, mm-hmm. that's been the, that is the story of all of these of all of these projects, whether or not you have an interest in this person who's going to take up half the screen. Are you interested in him as a villain? Are you interested in him as a as a foil, as a as a foe? And and he's absolutely um, he's 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 not laconic as much as he is sort of chilling. Right, mm-hmm. you know that he's building towards something, and at some point, you know that reckoning is going to come. And so I thought, I thought from the first episode, you know, when you watched him on screen, that um, that he had an idea of how he wanted to carry this character. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I was not like there are some guys who just aren't believable. I just thought, that, yeah. And I know that people sort of loved, you know, loved the story and the whole thing, but. I was not taken by virtually any of the screen characters, and they were huge, huge stars in Celestials. I just yeah, Eternals, didn't. You mean. I mean, sorry, Eternals, right? I keep saying Celestials or the Eternals, yeah. right? Um, I no, I, I think most people taken, agree with you, right? I wasn't taken by them, and so okay, now that you you land Ethan Hawke, is it going to be the same thing, or is he going to be really good? And as it turns out, he was really good. Yeah. I, I think the thing that is really great about it, because I remember I also had mentioned. This is something that I remember. I, he did an interview for another show remotely on late night with Seth Meyers, like when he was filming Moon Knight. And I remember Seth Meyers jokingly said, "Like, what are you dressed up as, David Koresh?" And Ethan Hawke said that he's actually basing his performance off of David Koresh, which yeah. I think you actually you can definitely tell. And yeah. I think the thing that he nails here, which is almost every villain and everything, needs a bunch of henchmen and people that are willing to die for them. And so many times when it doesn't work, you're just like, this guy's not compelling. Why would all these people throw their lives away from him? In scene in that small town where he is doing judgment upon people, you completely understand why people are willing to throw their lives away from him. Like, it, it, he not only he's not just menacing to the people that are trying to come against him, but you also understand why people love him. Because, he, it, it, because he's just captivating, and he does convey to people that he has answers in this world that no one has answers in yeah, and ch- i just charming in a certain yeah. way mm-hmm. it um, conveys empathy asking, in a way that was and, like wow well that's right and you were asking about the the scales part of it um that part was that part was cool you know when you you look at the tattoos and such and you're you know because you're trying to piece all of this together as you're going along and you're trying now and it also depends. I think Jake, you make a really good point about whether or not you know how much homework are we doing before we turn the show on. How mm-hmm. much how much googling are we doing? How much Wikipediaing are we doing? So you already know he's the bad guy. But if you don't, if you say, okay, I'm just going to go into this mm-hmm. and just pl- and play it out. Early on, he's a cult leader. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, but you're not quite sure. I mean, you know he's evil. He's got bad guy written all over him, of course. <laughs> but at, but at the same time, bad guys aren't necessarily bad guys simply because, right? Mm-hmm. There may be a compelling version of him that got people into him in the first place. And you can see that the way he walks around town, the way he moves, he has savior written all over him, even if he's going to lead you directly <laughs> to your untimely death. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I, and and it's funny, like just the, and I was saying before about the whole like conveying empathy, it's like this little touch that you don't necessarily see from villains to that degree. They always talk about, the villain 
that makes you seem like they know what they're doing is right and how that trope is usually followed in a lot of these types of shows and movies. But Ethan Hawke conveys this in a way where it feels like a much fresher performance. It feels like something that I haven't necessarily seen to that degree. And that's that's basically on uh, on what he's been able to do so far. A comparison I would give is to Thanos, where Thanos' mission is to kill half population, right? Yeah. And he sometimes will, like, act like he's sorry that he's doing it, but he's not really. Whereas in the scene with the scales where he has to kill the woman, I believe that he yes. is sad that he has to right. kill her. And right. that is, I think, what makes him compelling. Because I think that, that the th- also, think that's the thing about The Glass, too, is that I think that a lot of movies and TV shows have cult leader characters that end up being frauds and just doing it for this, that, and the other. I think it is much, 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 much more interesting that he does actually believe everything he's saying, that he is actually willing to walk around on glass, that he does actually think that this is the only just thing to do. And I think that that he plays that with more authenticity than I think a lot of other zealot villains, because that's a pretty common type of villain in comic book storytelling do. And so that's the thing that really impressed me um, with that. Well, and that's the acting. I mean, that's, that is the character. And that, mm-hmm. is the, that, that is the piece of whether or not you find this person who's going to take up 50% of the screen time, whether you find them authentic mm-hmm. and, yes. and like th- there are the decisions that we, that, that we're watching them make as actors. You can be a hothead if you want. We're waiting for you. Like one of my favorite things when you bring up, you know, a character like Thanos who does go out of his way to convince you that he's being compassionate, mm-hmm. that I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this because at some point all of the resources are going to be exhausted and this is the way when actually he's a murderer mm-hmm. now when mm-hmm. actually this is what you know. but finally it took two movies but then you see that he is a hothead mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you see that you see the warrior in thanos when he finally comes out and talk you know bring it on let's go right he's, <laughs> you can tell that at his at his core he's not reluctant for what about no. what he's doing he's not reluctant at all and and I and and this this performance, even across all four, and no spoiler alert, but even across all four, there really aren't very many moments where he betrays his own personality, if no. any. He's very consistent about sort of who he who he is. Yeah. And that sort of makes him that sort of makes the character and in, in some ways even more sort of uh even more compelling if you buy mm-hmm. if you buy the way that they, that he's approaching it. Some people like hothead villains. Some people are waiting, like, like mm-hmm. you know, like Loki. Very similar in the in in the twenty twelve Avengers, where you knew at some point, depending on how far back you go into the comic book or you go into the movies, you know at some point Loki is trying to hold it all together. He does not have it all together. <laughs> right. Right. I would I would say. I know for me specifically, like when you look at the way that Arthur Harrow conveys himself and who he is, I think that part of it, and you said you said the compelling part of it, it it, it carries so much more in a show like this because you almost get a sense that Stephen and later more, uh, you know, another personality. It's almost like Steven's his own worst enemy in a way. So like Steven's kind of like his own villain. And this is a show that's different from the other ones because usually the lines are are pretty clear of who's good and who's bad and 
yeah, you have your anti-heroes in other shows and stuff like that. But this, it feels like so far where Steven in a lot of ways is his, is his own worst enemy. He's trying so hard to do what he can to stay awake and the confusion over everything that happens. But he's just so, you know, he's just so out of his depth there, understandably so. And then you have Arthur, on the other hand, who, like you said, Howard, is in complete control of who he is, has all these people at his beck and call. And as you when we get that introduction between um, uh, Arthur and Stephen in the crowd there um, outside, that was that was a that was a fun scene, too. And we could kind of get into some of the the action stuff because that was really one of the big bigger action uh, set pieces. Jake, what did you think of that that scene? First of all, starting with Kanchu showing up for the first time, uh, speaking to speaking to Stephen, and then leading into everything that ensued with that car chase. I think that it was really cool because previously we had only seen like small jumps in his consciousness that he's like in on the train then in bed or something like that whereas it was just really fun to see him just in one place and then in a different country with like a wound like i felt like that was like it kind of opened your eyes up to how big of a problem this could be it's not just that he is losing hours occasionally or this he's like fully doing complex international tasks while he's asleep um and i think that for the first episode well, obviously, we get actual action scenes down the road. Um, I think it was really fun that they basically didn't give us any tr- like a real traditional action scene. They kept mm-hmm. all of that um, in because that because Steven's not experiencing those. And I thought that it was like done. It was, there was some really interesting filmmaking done to how they showed that, how like they showed you know the, the eyes you know on the back of his head is I think really yeah. interesting touch and the camera angles. Um, but I also think that there, that we are supposed to experience the violence not joyfully in the way that you normally do in a fight scene. That you're experiencing it as he goes out for a second and then he notices that he just killed four people. Um, and like Which that's is jarring. It's, not, it's, it's jarring. It's funny. Yeah. It's obviously like it's played a little bit for comedy, but it is also like Oscar like, plays it pretty sincerely. Like, holy shit, what did I just do? Because he can't conceive of an. He doesn't really think that he doesn't know another personality. Yeah. So he's like, clearly, I am doing these things and. I, I, do, I actually think that they kind of stay in that and don't like cheat that this ep- in the first episode in a way I really like. How about you, yeah, Howard? I agreed. Well, I, I agreed, and I thought that um, I thought that the the question that I was going that I was having, even after all of them, but especially in the first one, was how long can you sustain him not knowing and wondering what he's doing? Mm-hmm. I thought that it was a very cute scene and I was wondering how they were going to play this out over time when essentially when he when he meets uh, Ethan Hawke at the beginning. Yeah. That he's at, he doesn't have control of his own body. Mm-hmm. And so, and but so with it the scarab. looks like yeah. with the scarab, he doesn't have control over this. And so he's like, yeah, you can have, take it, right? No, I'm sorry, you can't take it. <laughs> and And I sort of thought that for me, I was asking the question of myself as a viewer, how long am I willing to watch this man bumble through this <laughs> before before he before he either finds himself or I mean, can, can we expect him over four episodes to grow into whatever he to the task that he needs to grow into? Because this guy is going to get himself killed. Mm-hmm. This guy is nowhere near up for the challenge. So how long is that gag going to last? How long is he going to be able to sort of 
accidentally survive because he's not up to the challenge. He's not involved in this. He's essentially, you spend the first episode watching a man who's having essentially an out-of-body experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How how are they going to thread all of that together? And that, I mean, obviously as 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 writers, you're you're watching this to say, okay, let's see what devices you can pull so you can track his growth. Like, how are you going to grow into this adventure? What, you know, mm-hmm. what devices are they going to use to get you into this? Now, the, the chase scene, I actually really liked for a couple of reasons. One, it was campy, you know, it was a mm-hmm. campy Marvel thing that they did, you know, with the, you know, one, it's the, you know, whether they're in Switzerland or Germany or wherever, they, I think they're in Germany, where, of course, you're in the Alps and you're in this, like, winding, and you're in a cupcake truck, right, mm. which I think was kind of, you know, once again, it, good device because you have a you've got a nice juxtaposition there you've got an extremely violent crime taking place here right mm-hmm. every now every time he sort of shakes his head or the camera shakes there's like dead people all around him and he's in a <laughs> cupcake truck so i sort of like that it it had it had a real sort of hawkeye thing to it as well yeah where but hawkeye was a little bit was a little campier it was certainly nowhere near as violent as this but i understood the feel it was a, it it had a nice sort of it, it it told me that that Marvel is is finding its way in terms of some of these set pieces on the TV side. Like this is sort of they're 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 mastering this this type of view. The other thing that I I liked about it as well was even at the end of the chase and everything else, you were no closer to resolution. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. like you just didn't really like you still didn't know where this. It wasn't like okay, well I kind of have a feel for where this is going. You still didn't know. So they they gave you enough action to keep you in but didn't give away the story. I also yeah. think that I, I'm always a fan of whenever they play upbeat pop music, you know, something, something, <laughs> doing something super violent. Wake me before you go, go. It was just truly like, just, <laughs> perfect, just perfect. I would just get beaming during it. I apologize for cutting you off, AC. No, no, it's okay. The, the, the scene was fun. Like I, I really enjoyed it. And I think you, you made a great point, Jake, in terms of like, because it's Steven, the this action doesn't need to be seen in this particular way from his vantage point and i and i just love that the fact that he's just so jarred and shocked at and oscar isaac playing that obviously helps the the legitimacy of the psychological issue that he is having so i i just love that part of it and the way howard you were talking about the way that they choose to lay out the story it's one of the things that I feel like I like the most about it. The story with Steven and himself is much more of a mystery than the actual story. They're not making that part too complicated. We know there's a God that Arthur Harrow is trying to release and the scarab is supposed to help lead to that. So that aspect we know, they're not just kind of just trying to pull the wool over our eyes and make it some really complicated, intricate thing. No, not on his part. Not on his part. I was talking about on the Steven part. On the Steven character, you are asking yourself, okay, how is this guy going to be up for this challenge? Because he's so Mm -hmm. completely overmatched. Yeah. I mean, and and it just got a bit tedious at times because you're just (laughs) wondering, you know, when you're going to be able to, like, this guy cannot grow this fast. No. Right? He can't. So there has to be something else that's waiting for us that's going to balance the scales. I did not know that that uh, accent was in there, Howard. 
I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> we we can get to kind of like towards the obviously you have the 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 situation the 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 young lady asks Stephen out on the date and he doesn't realize that it's a date and then he goes to the steakhouse and it's two days later and then he call that he calls her and then it's just a a very a very messed up situation for him so which leads him back to his back to his place. And then he finds the the, the phone. Uh, Layla calls, who we will know more of as we we go along. And this is the first we we hear of Mark, uh, the name Mark. So that'll be interesting. And then you have that scene, which is another like where I think you mentioned Howard with your son watching it with you. There's a little. This is where the spooky comes in with the well, way that Kanchu appears. That. When you saw Kanchu, he goes, "Oh, so it's a horror movie." We got a horror movie on our hands, right? And so it, it it was sort of interesting because I think this is where we talk about the heavy lifting or the light lifting or what are, what do we expect? And I think that because it's been, what? It's been 15 years now. Mm-hmm. And so we take Robert Downey Jr. and we, we take Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth. We take all of them at face value now. We take them as A-listers now. We take them as mm-hmm. obvious now. Uh, when it was not necessarily obvious then, even though, of course, we knew Iron Man was a far more popular character than Moon Knight. But it's at this moment when you're looking at these characters, when to me, I'm saying to myself, okay, how much do you know about Moon Knight? I mean, how much of this, because there are some characters, like when you get to Wolverine, Wolverine's an antihero. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're paying attention and don't know the whole thing and you don't, you know, you're not reading 1970s and 80s Marvel comics, there are some characters, whether it's Punisher, whether it's Wolverine, there are some superheroes who sort of revel in killing people. Yeah. That they are, they are antiheroes. And I mean, even Natasha Romanoff and even Clint Barton, they're sort of antiheroes in a lot of ways. And so... When you see Kanchu come up for the first time, and when you see um, him put the suit on for the first time, and you see him mm-hmm. in the in the bathroom, just absolutely smashing that demon, that wailing away, him, <laughs> wailing. I mean, with 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 pleasure, right? I mean, he's just wailing. <laughs> I am going, you know. So it isn't completely clear exactly who the bad guy, who the good guy is here. Yeah. I mean, yes, did he have to do, have to do that out of necessity? Sure, but. There is that bloodlust piece of it too that makes you wonder, at least for me, as as I'm going in, how are they going to play this character? Because this character, as of right now, is not—he's surviving, but you don't look at him as a hero, right? Because the the mm-hmm. the violence that he brings is as is is equal to the violence that's coming toward him. Well, that's yeah. the thing. That's the thing. Like from a from a comic book perspective. Um, doing some research for this before the show started and reading some of the earlier issues. So it, it starts I off... Have Moon Knight number one, by the way. Just, you know. Oh, well, they, I mean... It's long gone now, but I remember when Moon Knight number one came out and I, I had it and I have a, I got a spectacular Spider-Man downstairs where Moon Knight and Spider-Man are fighting the Cyclone. So I'm like trying to remember this character. I remember when he, when he first showed up. And the mystery of the character, um, there was a there was a period in the eighties, in the early late seventies, early eighties, mm-hmm. where all of these new characters were being introduced, 
and where Marvel was a little flat, and all of a sudden there were all these new characters. And I remember starting in the late 70s, X-Men 94, when the new X-Men came out with Wolverine mm-hmm. yeah. and Colossus and the whole new Nightcrawler, all those guys. Then there was Spider-Woman. Then there was She-Hulk. Then there was the White Tiger. Then there was Moon Knight. And so there was this group, and then there was Dazzler. And there were all of these characters who showed up, and you were sort of wondering who was going to stick. And so when they announced Moon Knight uh, a couple of years ago, I was like, this is interesting. I hadn't thought about Moon Knight in 30 years. And so <laughs> it was it, as it, so it was interesting watching this as a choice to see whether or not, because he didn't stick to me back then. Mm-hmm. I remember the character. I remember the costume. The costume was fantastic, but I don't remember. I didn't remember his backstory and remember where he was. I remember he, Moon Knight was also part of the Defenders for a while, if I'm not mistaken. And it, so, Midnight Suns, Defenders, like there's a lot of crossover exactly. with these uh, He's characters. Been all over the place, and so to revive him to have this character be one of the ones that got brought forward, uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to go into this with an open mind. I think the thing that yeah. I, I see and understanding the things that AC has talked about with the character, it feels like a character that almost could work. I don't know because I haven't read the comics, but almost might work better cinematically than it does in the comic book because it is such a cinematic, like dissociative identities and stuff like that work so well cinematically. AC, you're nodding your head. I just want to let you take it because I think it it might actually just actually work better on television than it does in a comic book. I think as somebody who started to read some of these and seeing how unhinged this person person slash persons becomes in some of the more modern Moon Knight issues, I do think that this is going to work really well. Because I I, I just think from a psychological standpoint, like if you're... Because this is the type of stuff that I really like dive into. That's why I really took to WandaVision because we're, you know... um, we're looking and investigating her her mind and all of these things that have happened well, to her. Was just brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was absolutely was just, just that the the examination of these people personally is the type of stuff that I gravitate to, where you really get that character work, and that's why with the Disney Plus series, that's one of the advantages of them that you don't get in the movies. So, like specifically for something like this. That's why, like, seeing these first four episodes and kind of what they're trying to do here, that's why I said keep him as keep him as he is for now. There's legwork that they can do that can be really fascinating as they dive into more of the lore of not only some of the some of the books, but just Oscar Isaac doing this character generally, because I just find him to be uh, mesmerizing in his performance. So pretty cool to me I'll also say that notable like loki i always keep an eye on for this oscar isaac is a pro- executive producer on the show so mm-hmm. i think that that's always an in- always an interesting thing because it one tells you that the, they're very uh, invested and that like you know they have a lot of input and i don't know i i just he's just an actor i respect so fucking much like i i just i really just i'll go anywhere he goes at this point so i i and i think that they probably will keep it pretty contained because it's not Do you like think you could beat him in a race <laughs> you beat him in a, in a foot race. That was in a foot race because no, I don't think that. I, I honestly don't know how many people under the age of forty. I, I mean, under the age of fifty, I could be in a foot race. It, maybe I actually 55 wonder about that because between he and Haley Stanfield, mm-hmm. they should just have 
just get the stunt double in there because they do not run like athletes. They no, do they not don't move. I'm like watching him run through. That. I'm like, dude. Really? Howard sent me a message after he saw that. He's like, Would you, <laughs> what was it? Who you would take Oscar, uh, Oscar or Haley or something like that in a foot race? Yeah. I was, which one? My goodness. Because watching her run, I'm like, you are the least athletic person I think I may have ever seen. I mean, the thing I always tell people about any time that there's like an an actor who has to do even like even Oscar Isaac, like most of has like very masculine manly roles, it's that yeah. almost every single actor in Hollywood was a theater kid. They none of them played sports really. They were all That's theater right. kids. It's like and when people like joke about like um you know the big how there was those stories that came out that Wesley Snipes like could barely dribble a basketball for white man can't jump. Yeah. It's like guess what? Because even though Wesley Snipes is really cool, he was a theater kid. He didn't play basketball. Right. <laughs> like that's the way that it works. Unfortunately, and that is the and that is the reason why sports movies are so damn hard. Yeah. You know? Look at the way Tim Robbins tries to throw a baseball in Bull Durham. I'm like, are you shitting me? <laughs> no, so, it, it, he's I supposed mean, to be great. <laughs> exactly. Look at like, Corbin Burnson is the worst third baseman in the history of third baseman in like Major League. I'm like, dude, you are not a baseball player. That's why you got to be like Charlie Sheen and actually take steroids. You got to commit to it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, the, the most athletic, like one of the few guys who actually looked like he could swing a bat was Kevin Costner. Oh, yeah. That's why he did so many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he actually, and he's a switch hitter. He actually didn't look bad from either side. I was like, okay, we'll take that. What, watching watching Oscar Isaac as Steven, I do have to say that it was important for me for them to um, to give me a fair dose of either Mark Spector's background or mm-hmm. give me a lot of Mark Spector or this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know I don't know if I've got the patience to watch this man bumble through an adventure. Yeah. Right? I I need to I need to see the fighter fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that was that to me was going to be the real interesting uh, writing challenge and the interesting story challenge was how how long because some people can handle that. Some people some people sort of like that in the storyline. The guy it's almost like the like the um, you know Cary Grant in North by Northwest mm-hmm. who actually grew you know by the end of the movie grows into you know the swashbuckling role he's in but at the beginning of the movie he's just this dude who's caught up in something way over his head how long is that sustainable mm. yeah um well what do you think I, about that think, yeah i think that i mean knowing the answer to the question is yes. makes it difficult but i think that it so you think he, the, you think he pulled it off? I mean, not to go spoiler I, alert. All I mean, yes, news. yes. I think I think I like where it, it ended up, um, but I do think it's very similar to the thing about Wandavision that we were talking about with how long can they stay just in the television show? Um, and I think Wandavision they picked the exact perfect time to pull out. And I don't know if I say that this, they did the perfect time because I think it's it's more um, it's more gradual, but um, I think that. Uh, I think it was important in what I'm glad they did without getting into too much is that they keep that. It's not like they go, they either pick one character or the other. They kind of just start showing us both sides. Um, I think that that's an interesting thing to do. Um, I, I like the way that Mark is kind of introduced in the bathroom scene or like the first time we see him is as a contrast to Steven's, you know, bumblishness. That, so much like, more confident. confident. Yeah. And I think that a really cool effect that they did, and I didn't even notice it until like I kind of like really look close. Is that even they're in a bathroom where both sides of the room have mirrors the on room it? Have mirrors, but, yeah. But he's only reflected once, which on I think side. is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Wh- I don't know if that actually represents anything, but I thought that that was just such a 
awesome image because you can see everything else reflected a million times. Um, and just the way that reflections play out in this um, and then they continue to play out, um, I think is really kind of uh, one of the better things because it just also just allows Oscar Isaac to act his ass off in a million different ways. Yeah, well, you yeah. just and I need, actually thought... Go, go ahead, Howard. You can no, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was going to say that I thought I thought that the... <laughs> This, the the piece of this as well where you're wondering okay because now it's a race against time mm-hmm. how long can how long can this character stay alive mm-hmm. he can't stay alive much longer this way right so there has to, so there has to be some shift somewhere where is that shift going to come from clearly the shift is going to be with him dealing with his multiple personalities or his double personality but the other piece of it too was okay somewhere along the line for this to work you, Stephen, are also going to have to show your value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at some point, when are we going to see the value that you bring to this? And as we get further on with the show, we can have this conversation four weeks from now. Right. Um, but but that's the other piece of this in order to make this work. Whether when you know when you assess at the end of it, did they pull this off or did they not pull this off? The question is, did did each component of the story and it did each component of the character pull the story forward or did it hold the story back it's gonna it's gonna be definitely interesting interesting to see as this show kind of like lays itself out and evolves because a lot of it feels a lot of it feels trippy and it feels like it's going to get even more trippy so i think that that part of it and i and i love the end of the the end of the episode was kind of perfect the let mm-hmm. me save us line. The delivery of that line was just what you needed. Just what yeah. you needed. Well, yeah. 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 And the other piece of it too, that I was interested in was from a, a Marvel storytelling, because you know, I'm really big on this in terms of the different types of Marvel that mm-hmm. we get, depending on what you're interested in. And you know, Kirby Marvel is not my strong suit. It's not my favorite piece. The further mm-hmm. and further away you go from the planet Earth, the less interested mm-hmm. I, I got because it just wasn't my area. I was a Spider-Man guy and then went Spider-Man to Daredevil. So I've been on street level my like my whole life <laughs> until, you know, the Avengers movies and stuff. I was a little bit Fantastic Four, but really not that much. So here you see a fair amount of of eternals in there as well and i don't know if this is a spoiler or not so please edit this out if it is because i don't Mm -hmm. remember if it was first episode or second episode but the um once again the establishment of the gods i think that that's fair game just i think that's kind of the part of the story that's like publicly known yes the establishment the establishment of gods who are monitoring all of us Mm mm-hmm Right. And whether or not they will interfere with the course of human history or not. First introduced in the Eternals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That this is, you know, that, that there is this group um, of, of deities that are essentially fighting each other and fighting their, you know, fighting their, um, what's the best word for it? Fighting their minions on Earth to control and there was a good question there for me about whether or not because that didn't move me in eternals Mm -hmm. that didn't do a whole lot for me so i'm wondering okay was this going to do something for me here 
we will find out based on the performances at ground level. And I think, once again, whether we're talking about this or whatever movies we talk about, it always comes down to the performances. And the performances were actually very, very good. Yeah, I, I, would, tend to, I would tend to agree with that. Um, in, terms of, in terms of generalities, if there's anything uh, either... Uh, Jake, I'll, even, I'll, start, I'll start with you. Generalities from the first four, anything that stood out to you that that you felt I, I mean the relationship between mark and steven when they get to have a relationship which obviously is kind of teased in the end of episode one is i think the most compelling thing to me um because it's kind of um because it's something you really don't get to see in because th- there's a ton of there's probably even more pieces of fiction about split personalities than actual diagnosed cases of dissociative identity disorder in the real world um because it's incredibly rare and some psychologists don't even think it exists but uh, I think it's very fascinating to be able to see those personalities interact with each other. Usually we don't get to see that. Um, and I think in the same way that, you, that we talk about how like Mark needs to save Steven and Howard, you alluded to, I think it's obviously very interesting and kind of, you know, the way storytelling has to go that in a lot of ways, Steven has to save Mark, whether that be literal because things he can do or emotional because what are lessons that Mark can learn from Steven? Um, that's the stuff that I've loved and I'm excited to ha- see, have everyone see. Absolutely. And how about you, Howard? Any other general things that stood out to you? Yeah, that that relationship, and we'll discuss it once again in a month. Uh, <laughs> that relationship, I was in and out on. I, I like the establishment of it, I, and I think that establishment was essential to keep you going because you need – because what do we have here? We have a mystery. Yeah. That's what the story is. It's a mystery. First, it's a mystery, and then it's a golden fleece story. Then it's a chase. We're trying to get – it's essentially, in a lot of ways, it is – it's it's a by-the-numbers chase scene mm-hmm. um, or chase story where we're Very Indiana to, Jones-ish. I was going to say extremely, extremely Indiana Jones where we're going to go out and we're trying to communicate with the ancients, communicate with the ancient stories, and communicate with the you – know, to be mortals – to be in a relationship with the with the deities. And so that relationship and like I said we'll talk about it more. Yeah. How how much how they balanced that because as I said earlier I want to see the fighters fight sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I also and and I and and I'm I'm wondering how long they could sustain um Steven getting in the way of the action mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know he's getting in the way or are you going to be an integral part of the solution here mm-hmm. um because once again one of the things that we've been talking about for the last couple of years on this program is the necessity of uh, for for the storytelling these days just as of where we are in this time to explain your violence yeah. And to explain why you do things, that the bad guys in these stories are no longer just bad guys. We have to understand why they do what they do. They can't simply just be sociopaths unless it's, unless it's Batman, unless we're talking DC, where then they don't really have to explain much of anything, <laughs> although they do sometimes. But, but to me, it was more um, how much work are you going to do to explain why we're on this journey, or can this journey simply be very simple yeah mm-hmm. good guy bad guy solve crime 
right? I mean, and so I think that there's, like I said, there's a lot of work that was done. I think obviously the Stephen Mark relationship is the anchor of the whole story. Yes, mm-hmm. but of course, but of course, as is, as is the relationship also between Avatar and God. Yeah, and who's carrying out whose missions and all of those different things. And the you know there is a lot of Eternals in this in terms of also. Are you standing by while human history, while while humans slaughter each other, while world events slaughter each other? And what is your responsibility as the all-seeing, all-knowing, as you just sit, stand back and watch it happen? Or are you preemptive? And there's that battle as well, yeah. which is we, we also saw that in Eternals. And so some of that may get way too esoteric. Or you can tell it in a way, which is what they try to do through this Kanchu character. Even the god has, at some level, a healthy fear of retribution. Even mm-hmm. he is like, even even he, that, that character, that might be spoiler alert as well. Even this character, you want to see what this guy is because he looks like a villain as yeah. the... Mm-hmm. You know, he looks, you know, has the sort of Grim Reaper with this massive eyes wide shut. Like, like, what is that thing? Like, is this are, are you really on my you don't look like a good guy. You don't know. You don't look like you're part of the solution. So there's also that thing. And you probably have to edit out what I just said. Um, I'll edit you, around it. I'll, I'll make it work. Yeah, I was going to say it was. Also, honestly, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edit this tomorrow when. The original embargo ends, and I'm gonna see what's being revealed in other reviews, and then I'll play by that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because when you're looking at this character, yeah. the Kanchu character as well, is at some point, even that character who is supposed to be a deity is in search of some sort of redemption. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. I think it's all. It's all very fascinating. I think the one thing that I'll say for me, and Jerome's not here to stop me, so I get to get oh, a little no. into my I get, oh, a, no. get to get a little in my bag over here because the thing that I'm excited about for just generally, it's it, I've been looking forward to the MCU getting into the supernatural stuff just because you oh, get you, you get you, you get you get your blades. You get well, we're getting the the Halloween special with Werewolf by Night later this year, so uh, that one. that's that I'm excited for too. So just oh, the don't intro- get me started about that. Just oh yeah, just the introduction, <sighs> some of the character choices that they're making with it with these things. Obviously, Mahershala Ali and uh, was it was it Gail Gern Barcia? Gail Barcia Bernal. There and specifically, go. the fact that Werewolf by Night is going to be directed by Michael Giacchino, who has never directed a movie or TV show in his life, but he did do the Batman theme, which is like, you know what? That just how it's a heat check. It's like, oh, I made a iconic score for a movie. Let yeah. me just throw up another heat check and direct well, the TV one. show and, and, and add and add Mobius to the um or, to the list of the, do, of the or, antiheroes. Well, I mean, I guess we could. I don't want to know if I really want to add him to any list at all, except uh... <laughs> that Morbius. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Howard hasn't been online as as oh. much, as much lately. There's been a lot of uh, Morbius talk. Uh... I'm gonna go see it, but by all accounts, it is uh, a disaster. Is it bad? Really, it's a bigger disaster than like you would think. Like like a hor- than, like in Venom category, worse than Venom. I would say. People oh, worse than way actually way, way worse. So worse that somebody, um, a media outlet, and this I can say because they actually did it on Twitter. They did an interview with the director of Morbius. The director of Morbius last week, the movie comes out this week, 
spoiled the post credit scenes of the movie online in an interview. Now, and and also Sony's Twitter account, the, the UK's Twitter account, posted the interview as such, like everything was peaches and cream. So that, is it time for Sony to is it time for Sony to just hand the MCU to hand all the characters? Back? I mean, it, yes, them all back. The answer is like it's it's one of those things where like I hate corporate conglomeration, but it's also like Sony's making it's basically like putting you in a corner where you're like I don't want Disney to own everything, but come on. Maybe it's time for Disney to own everything. Yeah, I. Uh, but no, it's it also specifically just, when like, it comes to that. <laughs> What? Or only when it comes to that, but yeah. Still. yeah, I I just what it's so funny to see when um if you know what to look for, it's funny to see when a studio knows that they have a real stinker on their hands, how they act, and it's it just it's this is one of the biggest ones I've ever seen. It's really just it's marvel to watch. Oh no, we've got a bomb. Just the cho- yeah. just the choices that that Sony has made in terms of this movie and the way that they've chosen to market it. It's just like oh okay, this might be a skip. But and I will be there opening night because I'm gonna do a Patreon pod on it. Thank you very much. <laughs> I will uh, nonetheless, Jake. I'll probably be there right with you. We'll we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll trash it together. But um, but yeah, Moon Knight is gonna be interesting. Obviously, you, you guys mentioned everything about the character. Obviously, I'm just interested in the in the Stephen Mark relationship, where that goes, where that's headed, and it's gonna be a fun ride as we embark on a new journey in the mcu all new characters this year in terms of the tv show so it should be really fun to see uh howard as always appreciate you for joining us uh, as per usual uh you got the book coming out soon we're not too far away from that ricky henderson tell us a little bit about it june 7th uh book number 10 in the can it's in the worst stage it can possibly be in which is in production you can't touch it and you just have to wait for it to come out. So um, I'm happy that it's done. Let's put it that way. And I'm uh-huh. happy that, um, I mean, I, I, I hope it's representative of the, of the story that I meant to tell. And this is what we all fear. We don't want, this This better not be uh, Morbius on the base paths. Let's put it that way. <laughs> that's, what we, that's what we're warding against. That, that that's great and then also as always you can check out howard he does the metal larkers uh with a with a mean and kate fagan great stuff on the lebertard mm-hmm. show feed as mm-hmm. well uh jake christie where can we follow you my friend i do just before we i did one last thing i want to say is i thought yes. the line when ethan hawk said yours avatar said avatars yes i love the big blue guys and then, oh, no, no, you're talking about the cartoon. Like, that bit, was just, that made me laugh a lot. Sorry about that. I just had that written down. There was one thing I needed to say. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at the Jay Christie. Um, this is going to go up on Wednesday, which means it's going to be the second semifinal for the side character bracket, and the finals are going to be on t- uh, Thursday. So uh, vote in those if you haven't. I've uh, been very excited to do those. And the podcasts we've done on Patreon have been the most unhinged thing we've done, and I could not be happier about it. it it's been the best joy. Shout out, shout out to Caleb. Right. Shout out to Springthorpe for doing all that. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at AnthonyCanton underscore three. And listen, man, we'll be covering this show. Uh, we'll have them out relatively early, uh, at least for the first few weeks, because we've seen the first four. So that that does help programming. So how many episodes is the whole series? Six. Ah, so I have. We haven't seen the whole thing. Yeah, no. we have not. Yeah. I thought episode four was the end. No, oh, no, it's no. 
Spoiler alert. No, I'm just kidding. Spoiler alert. We had, we, <laughs> I, think, I think that's public I was just kidding. I was just, no, no, I was just no, kidding. No, no, I was no. just kidding. Yeah. yeah so it is kind of weird that they gave four. Like, I didn't know how that they long gave... Loki was. Yeah. It, uh, you, I would think that they'd either give like two or three, but four out of six is kind of weird to give as preview. Not that I'm complaining. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It, it was... Uh, you know what? I think the reason that they did it, and I feel like... I feel comfortable saying this, is that... Yeah. Particularly with this new type of character, especially for mainstream people who have no idea who this is, yeah, you probably for like media members to kind mm-hmm. of cover it, get an a, get an idea of oh, I, who, yeah, yeah. who and yeah, what four this gave, is. Four gave you an four gave you a fair yes. arc. Yeah, gave yes. you something it gave strong, you a decent arc. It made four four made you four made it clear as to whether or not you were interested in five plus. Yes, agreed. Right, I think if they gave you two episodes, I don't think it was enough. No. To let you know if you were still into this or not, or three yeah. might not be enough to know if you were if you yep. were down with it or not. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, so yeah. So continue so to follow. Go- what was that? Howard, we'll talk after. No, no, no. I'm yeah, done. yeah. So for the for um, you could just obviously follow the show on at MC University Pod, and I, like Jake said, the bracket. But we're in the we're in the final four, so that should be fun. So for Howard Bryan and Jay Christie, I'm Anthony Kantz on the third. This has been Marvel Cinematic University, and we will talk to you next time.